25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. F left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Update. There's an update on the ongoing saga of Chris Steele, the former five-star recruit trying to transfer out of the University of Florida that I just told you about. There's an update, and I will now give you some of those details. Welcome in. I'm Matt, starting hour number two with you on this Friday, live in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, they are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents, competitive rates, fast and friendly service. Also, we stay connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. Here is the update. Apparently, according to an ESPN report, It is not out of the possibility that this guy, Chris Steele, may change his mind and return to Florida. If you're just tuning in, you're like, what does that all mean? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, briefly, Florida signed a player last year who was a five-star player named Chris Steele, big-time get for Dan Mullen in Florida. Got him on campus, gave him a roommate. His roommate was Jalen Jones, freshman quarterback signee. Not long after that, Chris Steele, the corner, came to the staff and said, I want another roommate. I want to move. I'm not comfortable with this guy. They did not act. He was not given a different room assignment or anything. And now the guy whom he said he was uncomfortable with and didn't want to live with is now transferring from Florida because Jalen Jones has been accused of by two students of sexual assault in the room when all this became public chris Steele, who requested a room change and didn't get one said i'm leaving and went into the transfer portal so the update is this head coach dan mullen i'm now at uh, onlygators.com head coach dan mullen and his wife megan flew to california on wednesday to meet with chris Steele. And to apologize to his family in an effort to have him rejoin the Gators. Report uh, over at ESPN. Steele returning to the Gators is not out of the question, a source told ESPN.com. The Steele family thinks very highly of Mullen, but it will be difficult as Steele was traumatized by being associated with the police report. If he's smart, he will keep on going. <clears throat> Stay away from that city. Can you imagine yeah. being caught up in that 
I can, like an accessory I after the fact or something? Yeah, it's, you know, that's it. Especially when early on the kid apparently saw the signs and said, I've got to get out of this. Now, I mean, there's all kinds of nuance, and some people may say, hey, look, if it's that bad, then just don't go back. Well, you know, look, we're not debating that right now. Um, you know, and here's the only problem I have with, like, this is this is a tough thing about reports coming from, you know, like a website that covers that team and that program and that school and that school only, because then you got Band these. Site. Yeah, because listen to this. It says in the report, it goes, well, it's worth noting that we have only heard Steele's side of the story as Florida is unable to comment on his situation due to student privacy law. It had been previously reported that Steele was homesick shortly after enrolling at Florida for being far away from his native Southern California. That said, Mullen did reportedly apologize, and he would not have apologized for nothing. See, like, well, that's right. You know, wh- why, are we, why are we trying to p- even slightly paint it in a, a different direction <clears throat> when the head coach and his wife have flown to California to apologize, and you're reporting that? Then there's obviously something to apologize for. Anyway, um, Roger... Yeah, when you I mean you're tied to that, and I can't help but think too. Like if you're Dan Mullen and you're Florida, and you go all the way to California to talk with the family and try to smooth it over, you probably know that the chances are very slim that he changes his mind, and comes back to Florida, very slim. But you're doing everything you can, I think, to at least show to future high-profile recruits that you're not a bunch of der- terrible people. That regardless of outcome, you need to go and talk to the family. I think that's probably you know what he's trying to show. So the statement that the whole thing is a mess for Florida, that stands still. I'm just saying that the updates out there today are saying that Mullen and his wife Megan flew to meet with the family in California to try to apologize to them. You know, for whatever that's so you, worth. So you're saying you think there's a chance. Yeah, I think there's a slim chance he comes back to Florida. And, and, but I also think that there's a great chance that when you do something like that and that information then becomes publicly available through one of your kind of supporting websites out there, that there's probably some intent behind that too because you're thinking about that next recruiting class and that next five-star you want to go recruit. And that's the way those guys think. They have to, I guess. Anyway, there's your update. Now, closer to home, more relevant. More pressing. Baseball will begin tonight, weather permitting. There's the disclaimer. Weather permitting in Oxford with Ole Miss hosting Mississippi State. Big three-game series. Teams are tied with each other in the SEC standings. They're both right there, a couple of games and a half behind Arkansas, who whipped up on LSU last night, but trying to chase them down and win a Western Division. Let's talk about it now with Chase Parham of rebelgrove.com, one of the hosts of the Oxford Exxon podcast. Chase, far be it for me to bring you on here and ask you to be a weatherman. But that said, what are you what are you hearing and like looking at the forecast? Kind of what do you expect as far as tonight's game one? Mike Bianco is not one to uh, move games early. He will wait until it is uh, 
perfectly clear that he cannot play. Um, to use a bad phrase of words there. Um, before he'll do anything about it, but I will give you some good news. Since uh, since 2001, Ole Miss has only lost one. And when I say lost, I mean didn't play it. One SEC game to weather in 19 years at home. Really? So they find a way to get them in. Swayze drains well. If you can get a if you can get a three and a half hour period without weather, they will play these games this weekend. So until until further notice, I always think that they are going to play them. I think I told you last week, Ole Miss. Not a real good seven-inning doubleheader uh, team. So, if anything, a lot of Ole Miss fans hoping they're nine-inning doubleheaders. If you get into doubleheaders, obviously that would have to be tomorrow, not Sunday. But I do think they'll play three games in Oxford. It's kind of spitting rain over here right now. The forecast does look pretty rough for that kind of 3 to 8 p.m. window. So, we might sit there. We might postpone it till tomorrow. But I do think we'll get 27 innings there or at least – at least close to it before the weekend's done. Close to it. Okay, uh, that's good. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the the seven-inning thing, and that's kind of one of those blips on the radar for Ole Miss this year. There's another pun for you is, you know, the, the two seven-inning games in one day where Kentucky was able to win both in low-scoring stuff, just an oddball series both schedule-wise and result. So what was it about the – the, the shortened seven-inning games against Kentucky that was hard to handle for Ole Miss? Uh, Zach Thompson threw one of them for the Wildcats, a first-round pick coming uh, up. Um, you know, when you get a seven-inning game, you run into the best team, or the best team being a little bit disadvantaged because, you know, bullpens don't factor as much. You've got fewer offensive innings to get things done, and when you've got Zach Thompson on the other side, he's probably going to shut you down. And then in the other game, Ole Miss just didn't play well. They just kind of lost the seven-inning game. And it's been that way over years. I mean, I think you and I talked about it the other day. You just can't – it's hard to put a lot into it year over year, but Ole Miss has, has been really, really bad. They're 4-10 and 10 overall. They're 0-8 in SEC play in seven-inning doubleheader games since mm. 2011. And for whatever worth, that is, uh, that is something that has mattered. But, yeah, it's been mostly about, about, about pitching. And Ole Miss just hasn't gotten off to intense starts. And, I, you know, intensity is kind of overrated in baseball, but they've just seemed a little lackadaisical in some of these seven-inning games. And when that happens for two or three innings, you look up the scoreboard, you're down a couple runs, a starting pitcher's in a groove, and you don't have a lot of offensive innings left to, to get back in it. So, you know, Ole Miss, they have a great record in nine-inning doubleheaders over that span. I think they're 12-6, and six, but they are, uh, they're 0-8 and 4-10 and 10 when they go seven innings. Chase Parham on your radio. We're looking at game one tonight, scheduled for, I believe, 6.30. But, uh, you know, we'll see when it's able to start. What do you what do you look – what do you see when you glance at this pitching matchup for game one of this series? I see two pretty good ones. You know, Will Etheridge has been uh, one of the more consistent front-line guys in the SEC. He's kept Ole Miss in start. He's kind of passed that blister issue that hurt him earlier in the season, and then we all know Ethan Small has been as advertised. He's jumped into some prospect rankings because of what he's been able to do over the two years, but especially this year. And, you know, I think there's a couple different keys, and they're sort of the same, but they're different. Will Etheridge has walked some. He's, he's pitched 47 innings. I think he's walked 16. So he has a chance to put guys on base. That's a bad recipe against Mississippi State. So for him, it's about keeping the ball in the strike zone. It's about getting ahead of batters, trying to extend his outing a little bit. And then on the reverse side, I think Ole Miss has got to approach it kind of like they approached uh, Texas A&M with Doc Takis and, uh, and Lacey a couple weeks ago. They fouled off a lot of pitches. They got deep in counts. For Ole Miss, the key is going to be to look up in the seventh inning and maybe getting Ethan Small out of there. You know, if you 
if you run into one, if you get some runs off of him, if you hit a ball out of the ballpark, all well and good. But I think the goal is for Ole Miss to not let him finish the seventh inning out on the uh, on the field and then do what they can against the bullpen. So I think both teams have similar things they're looking at, but it's just kind of different reasons for why they need to go about it. Chase, on the Ole Miss side, if you look at the series, okay, and, and all the possibilities and go, okay, this is the opportunity this weekend. You know, they can accomplish this. They can put themselves in this position. What is the opportunity that Ole Miss is trying to kind of capitalize on if they can win this series? Is it solidifying being a host? Is it putting yourself in a position to host? Is it getting closer to being a national seed? Like, what is out there as an opportunity this weekend for this Ole Miss team? It would give Ole Miss at least a game lead and a tiebreaker for a top four seed in the SEC tournament. So you're going to play at least two games in Hoover, which I'm not worried about the games as much as you just don't lose on Tuesday and kind of mm. get forgotten five, six days left in the, you know, in the conference tournaments around the country where you're just not playing and you kind of move down the pecking order. You allow people to catch you and pass you a little bit. And it would help solidify a, a host for Ole Miss. They're in really good shape. If the season ends today, they would host. But they need 18. They might even need 19 wins to 100% make sure they're a host seed because the RPI is a little funny. I think I told you last week, no SEC team has hosted with an RPI worse than 14 since 2010. Mm -hmm. Ole Miss is at 18 right now. Now six of their last seven games are against RPI top 10 teams. They've got a chance to move up. But it's a huge weekend for Ole Miss. I think it's a weekend where if they're able to win it, if they're able to get two out of three against Bulldogs, break this streak where they haven't won a series, against uh, Mississippi State since 2015. It would certainly really solidify it unless they just laid an egg in Knoxville and didn't play well in Hoover. So they're playing for a lot. The national seed is still kind of out of reach. I don't think they can get there in the regular season. I think they would take a good a good finish in league play, probably a good finish in the conference tournament. But as of right now, it's about 9 through 16. It's about getting that first weekend in Oxford, and this is a that's what they have at stake. Mississippi State is kind of already in good position for that, probably already in good position for a national seed, especially with South Carolina coming up next week. But for the Rebels, this is very, very important starting tonight. Chase Parham on your radio. He is uh, Rivals Chase on Twitter. You ought to give him a follow if you don't already, and it'll be a really good follow this weekend if you're a baseball uh, fan. F- what's the, um, as you kind of glance across into the other dugout, uh, Chase? Scouting report on Mississippi State. I mean, we follow them. We talk about them throughout the year. But when you kind of look at them through the lens of, hey, this is the opponent, kind of how do you scout Mississippi State and their lineup one through nine coming in there? Uh, A frustrating lineup to face. They've been able to do a lot of things kind of one through nine. I think they pitch it so well that it puts pressure on the other team because you know that if you give up much, then suddenly you might be behind and you might not be able to catch up. So that's the problem for – for any opposing starter, and not necessarily Etheridge or Nikhazy or Gunnar Hoagland, whoever does it this weekend, is this state makes it where every pitch seems more valuable for whatever reason. And for Ole Miss, they've been trying to just not let Jake Mangum beat them. He's 11-2 and in his career against the, against the Rebels. It seems like every game he's on base or he comes up in some critical situation. You know, they, they pitched around him a little bit last year in Starkville, and the next guy, I think it's Luke Alexander, hit a home run and, and, and won the game. So they've had a hard time figuring out what to do with him. And you don't necessarily want to walk him because most of the time he's hitting singles anyway, but it seems like really big singles. It seems like he gets on base and then becomes a terror. So for Ole Miss, it's really about early leads. It's about finding a way to kind of get ahead a little bit because I do think the way State's pitching the, the, the baseball, it just makes every offensive inning that much more valuable for the opponent. Yeah. You know, and um, 
you mentioned, you know, the early part of the games. Is it even more, uh, what's the right word, you know, potentially grabbing momentum even more when you're the home team in this rivalry and you can grab that early lead? Yeah, it definitely is over here, uh, especially. And, and, uh, and on a big weekend, you know, there's rain in, so I don't know how that's going to affect crowds. But Ole Miss has been very, very good the last eight or nine years on double-decker weekends, Grove Bowl weekends, graduation weekends. This is graduation weekend in Oxford, so it's going to be a big crowd. You want to keep them in it. You don't want to kind of let that worry creep in a little bit. And for yeah. Ole Miss, it's not just the crowd. It's the fact that they're undefeated this year when they have a lead after six innings, which it's kind of unbelievable after we all watched that ninth inning against LSU last week. But Ole Miss is undefeated after six innings. Mike's not scared to go to Parker Caracy for a five, six, seven out save even. So I think tonight if Ole Miss could find a way to get small out of there, they get a lead in the seventh inning, it's going to be Parker Caracy that gets the ball, and it's going to be you know, really a big game because I, I think this first one with all the rain coming in, a lot of indecision on how many innings are going to get played, I think it puts even more pressure on this first game just to make sure one of these teams gets a win to get out of here before the end of the weekend. Really good point. Good stuff as always. Chase, I appreciate you. Um, I know there will be some wait times in the press box, so head on over there and and, uh, say hey to Brett Hudson for me. He's going to be up there covering it, and wish I could be there as well, but I'll be watching on TV. I appreciate you. Absolutely, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. That's Chase Parham. He uh, covers Ole Miss for – rebelgrove.com and is one of the hosts of the Oxford Exxon podcast. And I was a guest on his podcast earlier this week. I was sitting in a parking lot at a gas station in Asheville, North Carolina, sitting still so I make sure, um, you know, I didn't run into one of those tunnels or something out there in the mountains while we were doing the interview. And <clears throat> Chase kind enough to kind of return the favor here. I agree with him that, you know, Ole Miss, th- there's some opportunity on the table there as it really does, I think, pertain to um, maybe moving up in the pecking order of the postseason. Does that make sense? Like, you know, it's not a situation where winning this series for Ole Miss at home over State would merely keep them where they are. I think it would actually elevate them with State's RPI being in the top five and, you know, Ole Miss trying to get they're sitting there at 15 wins in the SEC right now, uh, trying to get to that 18 number or so. Make sure you're in the top 14 of the RPI. That's a heck of a stat that Chase throws out there. That uh, over the last 10 years or so, you don't have any SEC teams that have hosted in the postseason that were outside of the top 14 in the RPI standings at the end of the year. So that's kind of your benchmark. Until you've seen, until you get shown something otherwise, that's kind of your benchmark. Is you're trying to get inside that top fourteen, and then they don't have much of an excuse but to give you a host. And right now, I think Ole Miss is still outside of that, so that's kind of their opportunity. They can move up. You know, if your state, again, it's such a benefit to state. Well, it's a benefit to state to be on the road. The way the RPI factors in road games they heavily weight road games road games especially road wins count more in the rpi standings than just a single win in the win column they're very valued okay road games in particular and road losses against good rpi teams don't really hurt you that much in the rpi standings 
So the fact that this is on the road for State and State has already done so much in terms of the RPI standings that State just doesn't have to go win this. They don't have to win the series to come out of it feeling like they're in the same position they were going in. Now, if they play three games and you know State goes up there and, and it falls apart and they get swept or something, now we might be having a tad bit of a different conversation as it relates to a national seed. You know, getting swept at Ole Miss may bump them outside of that top eight range, and they had to figure out a way with low RPI teams remaining in the SEC tournament coming up to play themselves back into that top eight, or it may knock them out of the top four of the SEC tournament. Those are the kinds of things. But State's going to host. And, yes, just like Ole Miss, they're sitting there at 15 conference wins. But whereas Ole Miss feels like they need to get to 18 or 19 conference wins with two weekends left to be a host, State really didn't have to do that. State really, if if they get one win this weekend in Oxford, assuming they would take care of business against South Carolina next weekend at home, they're a national seat host, top eight, which means you're regional. If you win it, you host a super regional also. Anything above one win this weekend in Oxford for State is gravy. That's how the RPI postseason stuff plays out. If you eliminate all that and just look at this series, this is a rival. It's State versus Ole Miss. Man, you want to pound the other one in the dirt. (laughs) And that pretty much won't ever change. Appreciate Chase coming on. I'll get to some of your texts next and open that Divinity phone line to you as well. Stick around. Listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. Hey, that's Snoopy. I love Snoopy so much. All right. Let me get over here on the text line. I think it's a really good point. It's halfway critical, but probably meant in jest a little bit. I saw that. From Kosciuszko. (laughs) Says, I need a job. How does somebody get paid for doing what you do? Flipper? Question mark? <laughs> like, seriously? Yeah, I know it. Dad, gum it. Well, you saw my re- you saw my response, did you? Well, let's see. You responded and said it ain't easy to get the gig, not the job. <laughs> <laughs> job is easy, but getting the gig is the hard part. Yeah, I... look, you're lucky. Ain't no doubt. There is we no do what question. we like to do for a living. How about that? That's right. And, you know, when you, you know, you take some pride in it, it's not easy at all. Um, but doing what you enjoy doing is not really like a job. So and that's a big, that's a big key to it as well. And I know you we got off on the subject of TV shows and 
reminding everybody about Flipper and a, you know, and that led to this and that and Gentle Ben. I get it. And way off, you know, I'm not sitting during that time that you're listening to this show. I'm not sitting there going, here's a statistic about sports, and it means this, and this team's going to win, and this team's going to lose. I get it. I know. But frankly, I just, I, I, I just won't ever do that for an, the whole show. <laughs> I just can't. There's way too many other things that distract me that I find entertaining. And it's about mass communicating as well, Kosciuszko. That's what they said in that. That's the term they use in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? We ain't one at a time and over here. <clears throat> We're mass communicating. <laughs> There's a lot of people. And so the number one rule, according to the, in my opinion, the world's foremost radio consultant, Valerie Geller, number one rule is, well, one, two, three, tell the truth, make it matter, and never be boring. Yeah, Valerie's show is awesome. Yeah. Well, You're I would say, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm picking up your sarcasm. Here's what I would say. I, I, I think she's great. Just yeah. great. And you're reading her book and everything, but also getting to meet her and work with her in the past and stuff. Is just, it was just great. But it's so simple, but it's absolutely the best advice. Number one, tell the truth. Okay. Well, sometimes telling the truth is, hey, you know what I was thinking about? Number two, make it matter. That's the hard part. And number three, never be boring. Sometimes that's hard, but as long as it's not boring, then okay. Now, on to a football thing from Kosciuszko. Kosciuszko is the one who cannot stand Joe Moorhead. <laughs> Can't stand him. Wants him out on his ear. Says, won't you be glad when football season returns and we can get to watch Moorhead try to pass the ball without the talent to do it because he doesn't understand anything else? See, again, here's a man with a smartphone and his phone is smarter than he is. Oh, man. <laughs> be nice to our listeners, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's not Got slammed true. by Wyatt. Yeah, you know, whatever. It's. No, I would say that it, you can't be really specific in texts. You know, they've got to be somewhat umbrella overall comments. But to say that he doesn't understand anything else, it all does go together. Uh, the running game, the pass game, it is a little different, too. A lot of us that are old, we think about offense throwing the ball and running the ball. We think about um, – those two things as being sort of unrelated to each other. We think there's a passing game and there's a running game. And if you want to run the ball, you just go run the ball. But if you really want to pass the ball, you just go pass it. And so we think as fans, Kosciuszko, we go, Man, this coach is calling pass plays. He must really love the passing game, even though it's not working. Well, I think you probably, without me even saying this, you probably know that's a very elementary point of view, a very shallow lack of understanding and wisdom point of view. You would probably even admit that. And so, so look at it. Let me give you the most basic explanation your local high school football coach 
you know, especially the good ones. Same with the college coaches. We live in the spread offense era that has morphed now into the run-pass option era, the RPO era. Now, Kosciuszko, don't get on here in the afternoon when Jake Wimberley's on and start RPO in him because he doesn't like it. He thinks it's an overused term, and, and I would agree in a lot of ways it is. But understand, Joe Moorhead's offense, it ain't just his. It's like everybody's. Uh, Alabama's offense. There's so much run-pass option, and what that means is the play, one play, just pick one play, is designed with blocking schemes and everything going on on the field where the quarterback can decide just before he snaps it or just after whether this is a run play or a pass play. And we're totally making that decision based on the defense. The defense will line up and move and whatever in a certain way where they are most vulnerable to either the run or the pass. And the quarterback on the field with the call will figure out in that split second which one of those we're going to do based on their vulnerability. We're going where they aren't. So, When you have an offense that runs the ball much better than it throws it, what is the defense going to do? Answer that question for me. Defensively, you're playing a team who runs the ball much more consistently than they throw it. What's the defense going to try to do? (gasps) They're going to try to stop the run. They're going to line up. They're going to game plan. they got defensive coaches making $2 million a year to come up with ideas how to line up and stop the running game and force you to throw it. They are basically giving you certain throws, certain passes, because they would rather you try that because you're a lower percentage throwing team. And you simply cannot continue to feed your run game into the face of a defense designed to stop your run game. They're daring you to throw it. It's big boy football. you got to throw it. The same is true for teams that throw it and can't run it. Think about Ole Miss last year. If you're a defense playing Ole Miss last year, what are you trying to do? You're just trying to not give up the home run in the pass game. Why? Because they can't run the ball. You're forcing them to hand it off because we'll come up and tackle you. So that's the era of the RPO. So what they actually call, how many times the ball is thrown versus how many times it's handed off, is being dictated oftentimes by how the defense lines up. Now, you cannot like it. I even have a problem with some of it. There were times last year where it's easy for me to sit here on Monday morning in my chair and say, and I did say, you have to figure out a way to give the ball to your running backs more, even force it, because they got to touch the ball more. Okay. But But things like that statement to say, Watch Moorhead try to pass the ball without the talent to do it because he doesn't understand anything else. Well, that's an ignorant statement. And I know, you know, again, we're just texting. It's not like we're having a full-on conversation. Those are always different. But feel free to give me a call on the Divini Equipment phone. I promise I'll be nicer on the phone line, on the Divini phone. (laughs) Still a ways to go on this Friday. 
Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Y'all hear the train? (laughs) I hear it. Very few callers to this radio show get their own musical intro. But I got one for this guy on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and Jackson is your Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the United States right here at home. Divinity. They've been doing it better longer than anybody else. On the Divinity phone. Chomp! Chomp! His first name is Gator. And his last name is Greg. Go! Gator Greg! What up? Mr. Wyatt, that is a way to just go into a, a weekend. I appreciate that. That sounded like Dan Mullen uh, blowing those, uh, all these guys, these troublemakers out of uh, Gainesville. That, uh-huh. yeah. That's the only good thing we got talking about these days other than playing the University of Colorado. How about the Gators, Mr. Wyatt, going outside of Florida to play Colorado? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, <laughs> they're moving in the right direction, uh, you know, as far as playing these nine conference games. But a couple of quick questions and points. Uh what happens this weekend with the weather? You're, you like to play meteorologist over yeah. the years. I followed you. You love to be a meteorologist. <laughs> I think if you want a sports talk or a commentator, mm-hmm. I think you'd be a good meteorologist. You'd be better than the guy that's on uh, in Tupelo. <laughs> but anyway, what about the rain in Oxford with the series this weekend? Do you think we're going to get any games in? What's the rule? Do they play Monday or in the next week to get that in since it's a big series? Because you figure maybe – Although I think both these teams, uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, will host. Mm-hmm. You figure maybe whoever wins this series and they can win that last series might be in that national seed conversation if they're not already in there. Uh, and then I want to ask you what you what you think about Dan being tough here and and he and laying a little barbs over there to the Georgia fans. Uh, you know Georgia hadn't won anything uh, since 1980 national championship. Now they think. Uh, Kirby over there, they're going to just kind of run things here in the SEC, I guess, if Alabama falls off. I just think that's interesting. And also, I uh, love following your Chiefs. That's I think that's going to be your Super Bowl team this year, maybe. And uh, also, Prescott, you got to comment, Mr. Wyatt, I think he's going to get $30 million yeah. uh, uh, from the Cowboys here. I want to talk about that. I think Dak's going to do a good job this year, and they're going to have a good year. You have a good weekend. I appreciate that, Mr. Wyatt, and happy Mother's Day to the homecoming queen and to your mother and my friend Joe Wyatt down there in, uh, in Dothan, Alabama. We love some Joe Wyatt. And a boy. Appreciate you. you too, Greg. Appreciate you. Gator Greg came sneaking in, but now he's headed out with a bang. One more time. That's Gator Greg for you. Uh, look, I got to say, that that's got to be one of the best college fight songs ever it is and you know one of the most underrated yeah the 
the big chomp thing. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, just awesome. great. Yeah. Um, and I really think in terms of pure fight song, Hale State for Mississippi State is one of the best, and people recognize it all over the place. They really do. It gets a lot of credit. I think one of the most underrated is Auburn. It's one of the most underrated fight songs, I think. They do the, the War Eagle thing. Man, you're making me want to go see a football Isn't game. Isn't that great? I mean, I feel it already. And and they're a very underrated band at Auburn, but their song is really good. Yeah, Dak is going to get the thirty million from the Cowboys, and in my opinion, deserves every bit of it. Uh, people who are are critical, they can be. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. You're the you know, if you're the quarterback of the Cowboys, it's like being the shortstop of the Yankees. And if you're not perfect and by far the best to ever put on the uniform then that that fan base is going to criticize you but Dak has really been good and really been solid for them um and and it's just kind of like they have a quarterback in him who he's never gonna it's not ever gonna be a foul up it's like they don't have to worry about it they're happy to pay for the consistency that is going to be Dak on the field and off the field and in the locker room. And then they can just go to building the team around him. And so, you know, a lot of people look at what they pay the quarterbacks as sheer production. The team is also looking at it like, man, we can pay him. We don't have to worry about this position going forward. You know, and it's worth it to him. So he'll get the $30 million and he'll be worth every penny of it and has been already. Um. You know, and the thing about the Cowboys is I really believe that next year, you're mentioning the Chiefs. Gator Greg's mentioning the Chiefs. Um, yes, they are building a, a heck of a team around Patrick Mahomes, and that defense is going to be better. They have gotten younger on defense. They're going to be better on defense. Um, so, But the Cowboys, too. Some off the field issues, man. They do, but – but Andy Reid is solid in that category. He's always going to do the right thing. And, look, the Cowboys are going to be in the mix. Make no mistake about it. Now, that whole division has gotten better except for the Giants. I mean, Washington and, of course, Philadelphia is what it is, two years removed from a Super Bowl. But, yeah, I'm just telling you, the Cowboys are going to be better. Um, Mullen, you know, he runs it. I'm sorry about all the throat clearing. It's just that kind of week. He runs a tight ship. There's some things out of the control. They should have done a better job. They're going to be okay. They just, it's going to be tough sledding against Georgia's players. Georgia is going to be so elite talented going forward that it's going to be hard for the Floridas and the Tennessees of the world. There's no question it's going to be tough sledding for them. Hey, there it is. On the text line, 885-ESPN. Just a few letters is all it took in this one tweet. JSU band. Oh, yeah. The sonic boom of the South. The loudest band I've ever heard in person. There's really nothing like it. Just, Just enjoy this.
That's, uh, what is that? Coming to America, I think is the deal. All right, I just got a tweet. I just got a tweet from uh, Six Pack. It says, more, um, wants more JSU. Let me see if I have some more over here. Incredible. When they played uh, Mississippi State a few years ago in Starkville. I got the fight song. Is that the one you want? Yeah, you got the JSU fight song? There you go. When they were in Starkville several years ago, they were underneath our press box, Richard, I mean, uh, Roger, and listen, they were so loud they were the loudest band i've ever heard in person it was awesome the volume level goes all the way to 11 for the sonic boom One hundred six days man that won't be long that'll be here before we know it res dog on the text line says matt there are some really dumb message board heroes that have no clue what they're talking about, and I wish they would all listen to you. <laughs> I do, too. listeners then, wouldn't we? Yeah, that's right. I do, too. Bama in Madison got the uh, question correct. I said, you know, what are you going to do? If, if you're a team that runs the ball much more effectively and consistently than you throw it, what are defenses going to do? And he said, load the box. It's, that's the, this is a very elementary thing. And it's for that reason that over the years, offenses have developed this read-it-at-the-line-of-scrimmage approach in the RPO offense. When I was playing a million years ago when we wore leather helmets and you'd fold it up and put it in your pocket on the way home, kidding, exaggerating, but back then we had this thing called check with me. You'd call two plays in the huddle, and the quarterback would get to the line and bark out which one you're running. This is a whole different level of that because you, you don't want the defense to be right. You're going to make them wrong however they line up. Jeff on the Divinity Equipment phone line with a quick comment about fight songs. What's up, Jeff? Man, listen, Matt, you were talking about the JSU band being at the state game. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting right next to them. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised you I'm could still hear. I mean, it was, it was awesome for about the first song, but I was like, my God, I don't, this is going to be all game. Remember, they played the entire game. I the mean, whole game. While the play's going on. They played while the play's going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're that good. But yeah, they, were, they, they didn't come play. for the ride. That's right. That's it. They were super, super loud, but they were fun to watch. We got to watch the J-Sets and all the, all, the, all that goes along with it. So yeah. it, was, it was really cool. Good stuff. All Jeff. right, man. Y'all have a good one. All right, you too. Have a good weekend. They were great. They're, the Sonic Boom's worth the price of admission. Ain't no doubt about it. And the movie Drumline, incredibly underrated as well. Y'all watch that this weekend. All right. Enjoy some baseball. Get an umbrella. And we'll see you on Monday. See ya. Woo, what up, You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.